0: Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruv, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruv of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Marie-Philippe Coulin is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off Hour 3. Hour 3 of this program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec
1: studio, Kintec Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Feet, what
0: are you waiting for? Kintec, our next guest is a member of the Canadian women's national team, a member of the PWHL's Montreal franchise, and you will be able to see her and 23 other players from the PWHL compete in a 20-minute three-on-three showcase tomorrow at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto to kick off. The NHL's All-Star Festivities. Joining us now on the program, very happy to have her aboard, Marie-Philippe Poulain, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Marie-Philippe. How are you?
2: I'm great. How are you?
0: Uh, We're good. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Let's start with what I was just talking about. It's the Showcase Tomorrow at the All-Star Weekend, kicking off the All-Star Weekend. How excited are you and the 23-hour players about being involved in this showcase, and what does it mean for the Professional Women's Hockey League?
2: Yeah, it's super exciting. I think all of us being able to to be here, it's representing our league, uh, going to be awesome. Obviously, you've been waiting for a long time to be, be able to create the, this league, the PWHL, and obviously it's been a great momentum since January 1st, being able to talk about women's hockey and also being able able to be involved in the NHL All-Star Weekend. It's going to be awesome. A three on three, uh, best on, on best. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be competitive. Uh, it means a lot. Obviously, people have been talking a lot about women's hockey, and now will get to be involved in the NHL All-Star Weekend. It's going to be awesome.
1: How else can the NHL help the PWHL?
2: Well, I think the the more we can talk about it, the more you see that different teams are getting involved and in, in, in with their team. Uh, I think it's huge. Obviously, we we're elect- we're very fortunate to be able to, to be under the Walter groups that came in. Uh, with a lot to, to help us, having the Billie Jean King that came in, and obviously it, it's finally kicking off, and we're so exciting, and obviously on the NHL side, uh, being able to talk about it, being able to support us through it all, but obviously having the different teams supporting their, their team here, it's huge for us, and you can see the momentum uh, moving forward.
1: Um, I know you were part of um, putting the CBA together for the PWHL when you were doing that, how did you balance the desire to get paid a fair wage and get benefits for your services, but also wanting the league to be financially successful and long-term viable?
2: Yeah, I gotta say, like we had a, a board board members that have been working a, a lot of hours for for us. Obviously, we had the association with all the players that have been there, but gotta say, like. The Liz Knox, the engineer, Sarah Narsilio, and that candle coin uh, has been five members. have been putting hours and hours to make sure the CBA was going to put together, and obviously representing us for uh, for, for us to make sure uh, this was going to put together, and obviously. Uh, they did an un- unbelievable job and um, for, for us to make sure it was professional to make sure we're going to be get paid to make sure that we're going to be treated professionally with all the resources we the right infrastructure and so far it's been unbelievable and we've got to thank them and it's been unbelievable so far
1: what's the key to long- term success of the PWHL
2: uh, for us just to, to keep uh, talking about it too. When you can see it, you can be it. That's something that we truly value. And you can see it on TV, you can see it on social media, people are talking about it, and that's something that's unbelievable. And we have ranks that can get filled out by fans, and you can see it since the beginning of the year. You can see ranks filled out to, to be able to support us, and that's something that's unbelievable. And obviously, money, money does speak. And obviously, having the Walter Group that stepped up for us. And believing in our product, it's been huge. And uh, we can only hope it's going to keep growing and having more teams.
1: Uh, We're speaking with Mary-Philippe Poulin on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. So one of the things, if not the main thing, that makes women's Olympic hockey so compelling is the rivalry between Canada and the United States. How long do you think it's going to take for rivalries to emerge in the PWHL? Because that's what a lot of sports leagues sell is the rivalries. Um, but it's harder um, when the league is new and you don't have a history of bad blood or anything like that.
2: I mean, if you've been watching the last couple of weeks, it's been all how tight every game is. And it's either a one goal game or overtime. And that's just the quality of this product. And, Obviously, i got to tell you that Montreal, Toronto, uh, it's been awesome so far. We played only one time, but right away, it's so competitive, and everybody wants to win. It's the first year of every franchise. People want to win that championship, and you can you can feel it, you can see it, and it's been unbelievable, and I can tell you in the next couple of weeks, other rivalries is going to be formed, and it's going to be awesome.
1: What level of physical contact would you like to see in the league? Because I know that's been a talking point. People have been saying like, wow, this is rougher than I expected.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about it. And when we talk about starting this league, how we wanted the ref to let us play. And we can see on the international level how sometimes some ref let us play. It's physical some game, other game. That everything's getting called. that's something that we want, being consistent with the physicality. And the call from the ref, and obviously you can see the last couple of weeks how physical our games has been, and things have been letting go. And obviously we still have to manage where the line is, what kind of contact. But obviously along the board, um, if you're going the same direction, uh, that that physical contact is there, and that's something everybody is liking. And I think you can see from a fan perspective that people have been enjoying that that kind of play and how fast it's been going.
1: Mary-Philippe, this is a question from my niece, Willa, who plays hockey in Powell River, British Columbia, and is a huge, huge fan of yours. Um, She wants to know, did you play with the boys growing up? And if so, when was the first time you played on an all-girls team?
2: Well, first of all, hi, Willa. I hope I get to meet you one day. But uh, I did play with uh, boys until I was 15 years old. 15 years old. I come from a small town right outside Quebec City where there was not many women uh, hockey there. So I did play with them uh, until I was 15 and then had to move to Montreal to play uh, with a women's team here in Montreal. But obviously, uh, uh, women's hockey have changed a lot. There's a lot more women's hockey, which is amazing to see and being able to be able to, to play with your friends But young girls of your age is something that it's amazing to see across the country.
1: So did you grow up playing with full body checking and everything? Were, 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 Were the boys taking runs at you or did they not take a run at you because they wanted to be gentlemen about it?
2: Well, you know what? I got to tell you, I had both. And I've, I did play with uh, body checking. And obviously there is guys where they would just line up the girl because obviously I did not belong there. And other But I've been very fortunate to play with, with guys' team where they actually took care of me and they were treating me like a little sister, which was pretty amazing. But every time I got to play against other boys' team, they would line up for the girl. And uh, I think that's what made me stronger and built my character, that's for sure.
0: We're speaking to Marie-Philippe Poulain here on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Marie-Philippe joins us courtesy of the Dispatch Plumbing, uh, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. Uh, We had Jeff Merrick on the show earlier, Marie-Philippe, and we were talking about um, the way that the league has been able to get its content out there and have a lot of eyeballs on the content. If you go across all the different Canadian broadcasters right now, they all have access. Uh, It seems like there's countless highlights and games that are being televised. Was that one of the keys... For the Professional Women's Hockey League to make sure that they could get as many people seeing this product as quickly as possible, and to become enamored not just by the skill on display, but as you mentioned, the physicality that's involved with the game right now.
2: Yes, a hundred percent. I think being able to share on those different platforms and being able to to have a TV deal across uh, those broadcasting is unbelievable and. Like even for, for me, like I, I'm a player in the league and I get to play those in those games. And obviously when I have a day off and I get back home and I can flip the channel, channel and I see a game, it, it's fun. We become right. fam, fans of our own game and you get to cheer your teammates, your friends. And that's something that's been unbelievable to, to watch and see how many, how many eyes are watching this league grow. Uh, it's been unbelievable and we're just uh, very fortunate and we want to keep pushing for, for more, that's for sure.
1: Okay, one last question biggest goal you ever scored and for the record I was in attendance in Sochi for that incredible comeback and I actually have a bit of a bone to pick with you because I had to rewrite my entire story I had it all written that Canada couldn't score the Americans were doing such a good job and then I mean, I went back and watched the highlights last night, and I I forgot about the post that got hit with the empty net. I kind of forgot about all the penalties in in overtime, some of them a little bit controversial. It was one of the most remarkable, if not the most remarkable game that I've ever attended. Um, I was there working for NBC, so an American outlet, so I kind of had to hide my cheering a little bit, but it (laughs) it was awesome to watch. Was that... Was that? I mean, you scored two goals in that. Was was the, was those the biggest goals you scored?
2: Uh, I mean, it is up there for sure. I've been pretty fortunate to, to have a pretty amazing moment. But that 2014 game, um, it's hard to put into words. I feel like if I would tell this story to people, I don't <laughs> think people would believe me that we would be down to nothing with, like, less than three minutes to go in the third in the gold medal game and obviously be able to come back and get that win Um it was surreal. It is surreal. And still, like, if you look back to that post, like, literally, I was on the <laughs> ice again, that puck going left, right, left, right. And I thought I was going to go in and obviously hit the post and we were able to, to come back and score. So uh, it was really pretty amazing to be part of that game and being able to share that with, with teammates and friends and family.
0: Well, Marie-Philippe, we want to one. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this today. I know you got a busy day because... You have a big day tomorrow. Best of luck in the 20-minute uh, three-on-three showcase to kick off NHL All-Star Weekend. And not just best of luck with that, but best of luck with the entire PWHL season. I hope it goes great for you in Montreal.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. That's Marie-Philippe Poulain here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. As I mentioned, uh, Marie-Philippe and 23 other players. They will kick off NHL All-Star Weekend tomorrow at Scotiabank Arena with a 20-minute three-on-three showcase. Now, talk about an action-packed final hour of the program. Not only do we have the greatest active women's hockey player going on the show, we will transition now into some breaking news. Sportsnet 650 Breaking News. The Vancouver Canucks have announced a multi-year contract extension with general manager Patrick Alvine. The club made it official just moments ago, signing him to a multi-year contract extension. In the release given to the media, Jim Rutherford said, quote, Patrick has done a terrific job in helping us rebuild our hockey team both on and off the ice. He has worked tirelessly, yes, tirelessly, to create a new culture and identity that embodies the important attributes of hard work, structure, and dedication. Patrick Alvine will meet with the media today at 11 o'clock. So, roughly, what, a week after his boss, Jim Rutherford, was extended as the president of Hockey Ops, his right hand man, Jim Rutherford, right hand man, uh, Patrick Alvine, a multi year contract extension. To stay aboard as the general manager of the Vancouver Canucks.
1: So this isn't entirely surprising because Jim Rutherford... I was uh, shocked, Jason. Shocked at the news. Really? Because you must have not watched Jim Rutherford contract uh, uh, extension press conference because he said we're working on one for Patrick
0: Alvin as I am well. now suddenly less shocked. <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, what can you say? He deserves it, right? Um, I think everyone's pretty impressed with... Uh, The Canucks and their performance this season um, I know some of us went in with some skepticism that the Canucks could be turned around as quickly as they have been and um, we it's not that we didn't believe that the Canucks needed to play better defensively but it was kind of like okay you hear the word structure so much that it all of a sudden loses some meaning but you know I think that's one of the things that you almost have to admire the Canucks for they just kept preaching the same messages and ideas. And even if it became repetitive to hear over and over again, and you know, for those of us who don't take anything seriously, you know, it turned into a bit of a punchline, but it also worked hmm. right. There has been more structure. There has been more accountability and, there's been alignment from ownership to the president of Hockey Ops, to the general manager, to the coaching staff, to the
0: players. And look at the results. I do want to say this. um, The press release on behalf of the Canucks does a really good job of encapsulating just how much that Alvin has done. And remember, he's basically just into two years on the job. He was hired on January 26th 2022. It's now January 31st, 2024, and they make a very clear point of running down everything that Alvin has done during that two-year tenure. Resigning JT Miller and Brock Besser, trading for Philip Peronik, adding Teddy Bluger, Pew Suter, Ian Cole, Carson Susie, Casey DeSmith, and Sam Lafferty, and then maybe the best for last. In that press release, the Canucks announced that he hired Rick Tockett. As the head coach of this club, so if you want no mention
1: of signing and extending
0: Kuzmenko in the press release, right? They managed to leave that one out, which is strange. That's that's an that's an oversight. That's a footnote at the end. Also, there was a contract for Andy Kuzmenko. (laughs) Um, Look, I will say this though: when you could put together that many highlights in a two-year span, you have done a remarkable job as general manager to the point where. You could pretty much pencil in Alvin as being a finalist for General Manager of the Year, which is an award which is kind of flawed conceptually, but whatever. No mention uh, of the addition of Nikita Zadorov either. Well, you know, because he could still be flipping him. <laughs> yeah, I know that one's I'm not just... da- that one's not done yet.
1: <laughs> you know, you know what else about Patrick Alvin though? I think he's gotten a lot more comfortable. On the job in terms of speaking with the media. Now, don't get me wrong, he's still the Swedish Johnny Tight Lips. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't share much, but um, it's tough when you come in and you've never had these media obligations before in a market like Vancouver. And you could see that he was nervous for a few of them, but I think he's gotten more comfortable as he's. Come along, and he's had a great— Well, it
0: kind of got foisted upon him, right? Because Rutherford—because it started so badly with, you know, the whole we have to fire Boudreaux thing um, that Rutherford was too outspoken (laughs) and then had to pull it back. (laughs) Which forced Alvin to do even more because I would imagine at the beginning, and this is just pure speculation, I have no informed opinion on this, but my thought at the beginning was, well, what a great tandem and Rutherford can kind of be the vocal foil to an inherently quiet Alvin. Now, Alvin was always going to have to talk. He's the general manager, but Mm -hmm. it always seemed like that was part of Rutherford's gig. And then because of the way things unfolded early in their tenure, he had to take a step back, a self-imposed step back. But still, he felt like, wait a minute, if I continue to be as verbose as I am, one, I might talk myself into trouble. But two, you also do sort of undermine the public... And a necessary public persona that a general manager has to have. You can't be a silent general manager in the NHL. I think it's just impossible.
1: Um, Matt from Maple Ridge, Alvin made some great signings in the offseason for good value. But can we talk about how his performance will be re-signing all these players in the offseason? I feel like it will be a whole different beast. So I'm interested how he will handle it. And what your take on it is... Well, he's um, not going to
0: re-sign all these players. He's going to re-sign some of them yeah of Let's course, I mean, it.
1: he signs an extension. The job doesn't get any easier. Um, I actually don't know what his contract situation was, but if he was heading into next season with only one year left or maybe didn't have any term, you don't want that situation. Um, you know one of the important things when you're signing management or putting management under contract is you don't want to have a situation where A manager only has one year left, so he starts thinking short term when he's got to remember the long term consequences of his actions. Drance has talked about it before, and some people argue that, you know, Jim Benning had more contractual, um, uh, m- more contract length, he maybe doesn't pull off that Oliver ekman Larson deal. He felt like he needed to do something big, so he swung for the fences, and he missed by about 10 feet. Yeah. <laughs> they threw a changeup at him, and he was well in front of it. I mean, um, yeah. So that is one of the reasons why um, it's good to have your general managers, especially if you believe in them, sign to longer-term contracts because they don't act purely in self-interest, and even if they would say, well, I'm not going to do that anyway because it's a kind of a dishonorable thing to do, sometimes you're just subconsciously tempted to do that. So, you know, we talked about alignment. You have to have alignment between short-term and long-term um, you know, if these guys were given the marching orders of like, you better do something this year, then all of a sudden you're worried that they're going to trade away prospects for short term. I mean,
0: one of the I th- I've been thinking about this for the last little while, actually. I'm glad you brought up the Benning thing with OEL because it, I just want to go down this road. We got a couple minutes here before we have to go to break. One of the things that I think ultimately failed Benning when he was here, one of the things was that oftentimes, The players that were brought in were players that he was enamored with during his time, like his scouting. Like he had seen this guy, and he thought that this guy would work here. I feel that the biggest difference in terms of pro scouting is that instead of finding guys that you were enamored with in the past, you think could be sort of reclamation. When they were (laughs) seventeen, stop looking for reclamation projects and start looking for guys that actually fit exactly what you need at that given moment. Right, Mm -hmm. and I think that might be the biggest thing. Now, don't get me wrong. They've gone back to the Pittsburgh well on a number of occasions with guys that they knew. And I know that Benning did that to a certain degree with guys that he thought that he knew. But I'm looking but at... he had a working relationship with them in Pittsburgh. And they knew that there was proof of concept at the NHL level. Right? There was a lot of speculative moves about guys that they... And, I, again, it really came back to draft. I found a lot of guys, and they would be harking back to their draft profiles, yeah, like what they did when they were 17 mm-hmm. or 18 years old. And there was this great promise and great potential, right? And, and then I look at, at what Alvine and Rutherford and the rest of the pro scouting department have done, and it's like, can we find guys that are going to fit specific roles at the exact moment And are we going to look for guys, maybe that we don't necessarily have a history with, some of them for sure, but some of them are, are they going to fit the profile of the player that we need at that given moment?
1: And I also think knowing how you want to play, because when you know how you want to play and you're on board with your head coach with how you want to play, it's a lot easier to find players. As opposed to, it seemed like at times with the Canucks under Benning, it was like, just find talent.
0: Or guys. It
1: doesn't, well, more just like,
0: no, but you remember upside the upside talent. You and you're kind of like, well,
1: where does this guy fit?
0: Do you remember the medicine hat infatuation when Willie was here? Oh yeah, yeah. Like that was that was uh, it. It almost it was borderline comical looking <laughs> back on it. That there was this endless recycling of tigers, right? right? Not, not real tigers, medicine no. hat. Medicine tigers. hat tigers, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and and you <laughs> again, you kind of understood what they were doing, but it always felt as though that there was more of this impetus to find a, a diamond in the rough or some turn someone else's trash into treasure, or there was something that you knew and you saw that nobody else was seeing. Yeah. I guess that's where, and that again, we're relitigating the past and we don't really need to do it, but I have, I could not be more impressed with the turnaround in pro scouting from one era to the next, because I look at, you know, Suter, Bluger, um, Lafferty, Susie, uh, Cole, Mm -hmm. it works, it fits, it makes sense. Length of contract, term allotted to them, makes sense. The roles that they've been put into, that makes sense. The style that they can play under a head coach where there's alignment across the board, that makes sense. And that's all you really want at the end of the day. Is there a vision and is um, is there a blueprint that you can get behind? And that's a great thing. Uh, What We Learned is coming up next, so text in your What
1: We learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Centre or in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com.
2: Talking all Canucks, all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh
0: God, this is always dead.
2: It's what we
0: learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8:32 8:32 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 6:50. Halford Bruff. The morning is brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer. Today we are in hour three of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at Campbell-Pound.com today. Oh, hey, dog. If you're listening, I hope you're feeling better. Shouldn't eat that McRib. Yeah. Or four of them. He was not feeling well yesterday in the studio, and he gave us the heads up. He's like, I'm not feeling well. That did not keep him from eating a McRib. So he still went out? He still went out. Yeah.
1: I got a text from my buddy that said, tried one. He was like,
0: Yeah, it's a pork sandwich. (laughs) I I told A-Dog, I'm like, the one what we learned for the McRib was a lot. (laughs) Following up a week later with just confirming what you said in the first one was really a lot. He's really excited. I know, but you, here's the thing. Some people, which they shouldn't, some people trust us. They're like, these guys seem to know what they're talking about and a variety of different things. People take ask us anything seriously. That's their first mistake. Right. So when a dog and we defer to him as the enthusiast in all foods that are bad for you, we're like, he knows them better than anybody. So when he's out there talking up the McRib, there are going to be some people that are like, this guy knows the cereal and ice cream. He probably knows about pork and pork related products. So I've had a McRib and like he, he, he sold it hard. The return of it, like they're, they're fine. But Jason's buddy's remarks were pretty accurate. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a pork sandwich. <laughs> let's not make a huge deal out of this. Yeah, yeah. We're not holding a parade, okay? Uh, let's, uh, oh, you know what? We're going to do uh, Jason's What We Learned before we go to the mm. humanoids. We only have one today basketball band, I don't want to say failed, but I don't have another way to say it. Failed us. Uh, know what we learned from basketball, band. I'm
1: working hard on this video. We got some big guests out. I'm doing work right now. Yeah, I
0: don't want to interrupt to- you guys at your work. And to be fair to you, we did steal your golf one from earlier. That, that was, was going to be the one, one too. Okay. Mm. Laddie also failed us. Uh, so we go to Jason. That's yeah. a normal occurrence. Yeah, though. that's true. Now we go to Jason for a while. So we
1: learned. I learned that The Athletic did its annual And uh, yeah, the that some of them were predictable, like worst road city, Winnipeg. Again, you know, 12th you know, year in a row. Buffalo's in the running. Cetera, no airport, really. You really know, the best road city is, whoa, well, a surprise, New York and Vegas. People uh-huh. like going there. It's crazy. Um, I always like this question. Who is the player in the league whose face you most want to punch?
0: Oh, yeah. Okay,
1: any guesses on the winner of this one? Uh, I haven't looked at this, it, so this, I'm
0: going to get – this isn't – we're not doing a bit. I literally have easy. not looked this at this. Easy. This is easy. Brad Marchand. Uh,
1: no, he was second. He's. We've talked about this guy. He's a little weaselly. He's a little ratty. Uh, Kevin Bieksa talked about this guy. Come on, buddy.
0: Come on. Kevin Bieksa
1: talked about it recently? Yeah.
0: Yeah, on he was involved in on the broadcast. Just say the name, please. Nick Cousins. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, Nick Cousins won this actually. But I didn't know he had a punchable face. I don't even know what Nick Cousins oh. looks like. Yeah, but he has punchable actions. Yeah, it's right up there with your face, Alfred. Like I know what Brad Marchand's face looks like. but I have a beautiful. It, it's face. nothing to do with the look of the face. It's, it says most punchable face. No, it says
1: whose face you most want to punch. That's I'm not sorry. the most punchable face. That's not someone that's just sitting there like, They're not, not going through a list right? and judging
0: the faces yeah, that one. Because everyone knows what we're, like, punchable face, right? Well, Brad Marchand, if you punch him, you might break your hand on his <laughs> nose. Piercing, Sticks into piercing your nose. nose.
1: Um, it's interesting, you know, and I would actually like to congratulate. Yes. So here's how it went. It went okay, Nick yeah. Cousins first, yep. and then Other actually had, like, 16%. And then, so Brad Marchand was actually technically third, but... Other comprised like yeah. field. No, no, right? no. We so, need individuals. So collective. Nick Cousins is first, Brad Marchand is second, uh, and those guys had a lot of the votes. Yeah. Matthew Kachuk, third. Yeah, I could see that. Michael Bunting was tied for fourth with Connor Garland. Connor Garland, eh? Yeah, he's annoying to play with. I think that's a credit or play against, sorry, not with. Uh, he is – that's a credit to Conor Garland that when he's involved out there mm-hmm. and he's been being annoying and probably yapping at you yep. and also just hounding the puck the way he does, you just want to punch him right in that face. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say he
0: seems yappy. Out there, that would be the word I would describe. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Nikita Zdorov actually also was on this list, way down the list, but I think that was probably mostly flame Odin
0: for that one. See, it's a really interesting question because everyone knows specifically the punchable face, right? Everyone's seen the punchable face, yeah, you in the mirror every morning. Yeah, that's enough. There's
1: a punch. There, there are punchable faces for sure. But I think this is who just- is the
0: pharma bro that bought the Wu Tang album? Was it Martin Schirelli? yeah. He had an incredibly punchable face. Yeah. Right. Like every time you saw him, it, all, things affiliated with the punchable face, the smirk. Right. Everyone. Most punchable faces. <laughs> the look of it.
1: entitlement.
0: Yeah, and oftentimes there's a haircut involved. Yeah. Yeah. You know.
1: Anyway, give us a moo cow on that. Punchable faces. Punchable faces.
0: We're doing it. Okay, let's fire up the dot matrix. Let's print out some humanoid submissions for what we learned. What we learned, humanoids as always, brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God. We're having a fire plan. All right. uh, A lot. This is what happens at the Halford and Bruff Show is we have equal – uh, what we learns on McRibs and Patrick Alvine. <laughs> right? Like t- <laughs> Aha, nuts and gum together at last. Alvine and McRibs together at last. So it's hard to <laughs> parse through all of this. All right. Uh what we learned. Oh, this one's from Surrey Ryan. I saw a few of these. Uh, Suri Ryan says what we learned I was on team tank for Connor Bedard and all in For a full and lengthy rebuild I will gladly eat all the Crows congrats to Patrick Alvine. so I saw a you know what you know what's Funny is that um, that's What a McRib is it's It's actually crows and we just Lost that sweet sweet McDonald's money <laughs> What's that a McCrow you're eating there Lawyer on line one yeah well you know what? We never had the sponsorship to begin with. Um, I saw a lot of these, and I saw a lot of people. I don't know if they went back and were looking for the receipts or if it just kind of resurfaced, but talking about the live reaction, and I think it was Drancer had on Canucks Talk when the uh, Philipporonic trade got announced. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. This isn't just a Drance diss, which are fun and enjoyable, <laughs> but um, <sighs> the immediate knee-jerk reaction to trades I know it has to be out there. I know that the athletic, like, two-thirds of the subscriptions are based on, like, oh, trade grades. Um, It's such a dangerous thing to do because those things will live in infamy. Because let's be honest, 99 out of 100 trades, it takes an awfully long time to actually see how they'll work out or the trade tree or the fruits and the benefits Mm -hmm. of them.
1: I used to hate it when our editors, when we were writers, would go, like... Give us your winners and losers at the trade deadline. Well, it's is trade
0: deadline. You I'm know what like, that means. We oh, need dubs and L's. Oh, God. Because it, okay. ne- yeah. Well, but, um, now,
1: I'll what say, do you do when like it's a rental for a first round pick? Well, the other thing like, too, tell me who that first
0: round pick is. I know. But the other thing, too, is like, especially with Haranik, I remember your first reaction was like, now, who is this guy <laughs> I honestly didn't know much of anything about him. And good on you for making that the first question. Yeah. As opposed to like, how could the Canucks be so short sighted? I was like, who? Jeremy Horonic? Yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. him. He's in trouble. <laughs> but, um... Horonic <laughs> in trouble. Uh, I will say this that trade, and when you take a step back and you were able to look again at working the pieces on the chessboard, like, let's trade Horvat, let's get a pick in the door, let's move that pick out. It's worked out brilliantly. Another thing that's worked out brilliantly. Pairing him with Quinn Hughes. Remember in the preseason with a lot of hand wringing and consternation. Mm-hmm. Some of it by this show. Like you can't have a some of it from the coaching staff. Can't, clearly, exactly, you can't have such a, a, a top heavy defensive group. It's too much. We were wrong. It's worked worked out great. Mm-hmm. The the blue line has just worked out fantastically. So. Just goes to show. Uh, what we learned: the
1: Baltimore Orioles have new owners for the first time since the nineties. That was unsigned, but Stewie texted in uh, what we learned: one point seven two five billion for a hundred. Like Jerry said, go out on top. Who sells a good team? Never heard of that. Um, I think it was just time for that family you know, to the Angelos to cash in. family? Yeah. Yeah. They've been around for forever. They're like, we want our money. Yeah, that's fair. It's incredible the rise in franchise values. But then you look at some of the you look at the stock market and you see some of the stocks and they've gone up to the same extent, you know. There's still a lot of money out there. Right? Big, big money. Um you know, well, they, this is okay, still so they, some of the effects of, some of all the cheap money that was out there. For, they just redid, for ages. They
0: just redid a long-term lease at Camden Yards, which I've never been to, but I heard it's a great ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are they going to renovate it or give it a facelift? I guess at all? They, well, I guess they have to, right? It's give funny. it a facelift so it looks even older. Yeah, it's a new old facelift. <laughs> yeah. It's a new tech, new technology we're working with. We're um, going to retro retrofit. Yeah, um, you've never been to Camden Yards, have you? No, my wife has though. She gives very high high praise. One of yeah, the best that she's it, been to. It's supposed to be great. Um, but it's old now. Was Baseball it? Baseball Stadium crazy. The, it was the first retro. It was the first old new, as I like to call it. But yeah, the retro look, mm. right? We got to make it look old. They, do you remember, they went from do you, the multi use <laughs> facilities to the, the retro yeah, nice yeah, looking yeah. stadium. Do you remember they
1: had just rebuilt uh, Comiskey? So they had new Comiskey. They didn't rebuild it. They just, yeah. like it was, it was a different stadium and it just looked like really cookie cutter. And then Camden Yards came along, and everyone was like, "Wow, that's what we should do!" And of course, other teams did it, like the Mariners and the, and the Giants, yep. and everything. Well, it, was, it opened
0: you know, in '92, and mm-hmm. so the, the Blue Jays just missed out on the trend too. They were full in on the multi use right. facility, yeah. and we we a, this is amazing. It it's futuristic. Yeah. Got a hotel in center field. Look at that. And that lasted about two years. What are those people doing in there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daniel
1: and, the <laughs> We've made a huge mistake, Daniel and Burnaby. Uh, what we learned. I learned how much my life revolves around Canucks hockey. This bye week thing sucks. Having a difficult time concentrating in life when there's no Canucks hockey to look forward to. Who came up with this horrible idea? I agree. Well, especially when they're playing like they are and winning these games and the games are are fun to watch again. Last
0: year, I was like, when is the break? <laughs> when we yeah, get a break from this nightmare? I asked if they could take two breaks, one before and after the, day, <laughs> the All-Star game. I... Um, I actually think that it would be better if they just took hockey away entirely instead of making us watch things like San Jose and Anaheim. Or last night, again, for those that missed it early on, uh, we led the show with a San Jose Sharks highlight from live. The only highlight of the year. That's all they've had. TV is taking a break. You all just get to watch young Sheldon. Or it's all like, that's on. yeah, or reruns of bar rescue. You like it would have been better than what I watched last night. The Sharks and Kraken played, and I use this term loosely, a hockey game last night. Mm-hmm. The Sharks had eight shots after the second period, and they won. There were multiple games in the NHL last night, and three total goals were scored. It was terrible. <laughs> they were, for the longest time, it looked like both NHL games were gonna end one nothing last night. Like the NHL. It's on TV. That was the tagline. That's all they had going for it.
1: Here's another what we learned on that unsigned. It's the worst two weeks in North American sports, the Super Bowl preamble. I hate the two-week Super Bowl thing. Along with the NHL All-Star Game hiatus. Uh, I guess Canucks fans will have a little more to watch with the All-Star Game this year. I will admit that though the game will still not interest me, I am somewhat interested in the skills competition. Because I think it's going to be um, more streamlined, fewer players out there that I don't care about, and it might actually get competitive. So I am
0: somewhat interested in it. Uh, I got one here from Mike, the urologist from Brockville. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. Uh, Long one, so bear with me. Uh, It's fantastic to hear Marie-Philippe Houlin on your show. Thanks, Mike. Uh, With the PWHL, I think we'll see so much more growth in the women's game, and it will one day sound crazy to hear about how girls used to have to play on boys' hockey teams growing up, even in a small town like Brockville. My daughters have a girls' league to play in, and it's great to see. A couple things there. One, uh, Brockville's not a real place, for those that are wondering. Like, how do I enroll my daughter in Brockville? It's not a real place. Two, Merrick talked about this at length, and he brought up a really good point. Brockville is a city in Ontario. Yeah, Brockville Braves. No, this is a reference from The Simpsons. Isn't it? No. no the I thought he was always the... No. no. is a real place. I think oh, this guy sorry. is a uro- urologist. I thought this in was a Brockville. Simpsons, I thought this was a Simpsons reference from the no, Monorail that's, episode. Brockville that's is Ogdenville a real place. Ogdenville and North that's, Haverbrook. And North Haverbrook. Brockville what was the is other a one? real place. Oh, okay, my o- bad. Ogdenville, I just told you. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. I thought that was a Simpsons reference. <laughs> no. Anyway, that is
1: hilarious.
0: <laughs> I always thought <laughs> that I, was a Simpsons I, I, reference.
1: What is the reverse of that in Ontario? Like Port
0: Coquitlam <laughs> is <laughs> not a real place,
1: okay? They're no Squamish. Yeah. That can't be
0: real. I apologize to Brockville. I thought that was a Simpsons reference. Apparently uh, Brockville is so offended to, right now. Uh, apparently it's small, so <laughs> <laughs> there's probably not that many of them. Anyway, uh, Merrick did bring up a good point that we've probably reached the saturation point for for growth on the men's side of the game in, in, in hockey. And I'm always fascinated by sports that are growing uh, in Canada because um, I always look at soccer and we've seen you and I talk about it all the time mm-hmm. how dramatically different. Um, soccer is from a consumption standpoint uh, beyond being like, Hey, here's a ki- game. The kids can play uh, run around for an hour on Saturdays. Like it's really grown leaps and bounds. And yeah. I, you look around and you're like, well, there's that, I guess pickleball, but it feels like the age group for pickleball. <laughs> it might not last that long. And then <laughs> uh, it's getting younger. Yeah. And then women's hockey is the next one in terms of at the professional level. And I always go back to its ability to infiltrate because the content has they've done a really nice job making sure the content mm-hmm. is everywhere, right? And that's when you, I go back to soccer, and I, I mentioned that with Merrick too, like everyone I don't know if everyone understands what's going on with Media Pro and One Soccer. What is and going on? Well, there's a company called Media Pro, and they've been in the soccer broadcasting rights game for a while. They're huge, aren't they? They're Based massive. out of Spain? They're based out of Spain. Um, some people hold them largely responsible for the collapse of uh, French television rights, like league One, okay. Ligue 1. Ligue 1, as they call it in France. Ligue 1. Yeah. Ligue yeah. Un. Um, They basically like reneged on the deal, pulled out, and then the whole thing sort of collapsed. And it's it's thrown the league into arrears. So what's happened here is Canada Soccer Business and Media Pro are now going back and forth in court. And both are accusing each other of not holding up their end of the bargain. Right, uh, It's not good. Because for things like the CPL, this upstart league, that was not just um, the way that you could consume their content, but they also produced everything. Mm -hmm. Like I think a lot of people don't understand it's not just about having something on streaming. It's about having a production, which is not easy because you need all the hardware and the equipment and And trucks and people. It costs a lot of money. You can't just have some dude show up with his iPhone and be like... All right, we're uh, we're putting this on like Instagram Live. Like, yeah, right. It needs to have some production. If you watch value. some junior hockey streams, that is basically what uh, they that's, do. and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> is there's some real stripped down, bare bones stuff, but a lot of the streaming platforms won't put that because it diminishes their broadcast quality. So uh, again, I go back to the Professional Women's Hockey League. Like if you look right now, it's everywhere, and it's because they've done a good job of getting the production value, getting it out to multi-streaming platforms and making sure that here's the key, your content is available. That's the important thing. Don't monetize, spread, put it out there, get eyeballs on it. first. You, and foremost. you know what PWHL content I would like to see is uh, live in person in Vancouver. Are they ever going to expand out to the West Coast? I feel like they should not have even, asked. We should have asked. Uh, yeah. Well,
1: listen, they got to they got to maintain their travel costs, mm-hmm. and that's expensive, right? So they're going to keep it regional for now. Uh, and by the way— I Alfred, was right. No, no, you were wrong. I was right. No, you were wrong. I was right. Here are the three cities that were on the map. Yeah? North Haverbrook, uh-huh. Ogdenville, yeah.
0: Brockway. Brockway. Yeah. So the people that are texting in saying that Brockville was on the map are wrong. Are too. wrong. Yeah. Okay. Brockville is a place. Yeah. North now I, I I mean Mike actually might be a urologist. If so, you should spend more time urologizing and less time <laughs> you know, listening to the show. Do you know uh
1: Mike the Urologist actually has a hater? What? On, yeah on in, in the inbox that fun hates, to watch that hates that we read all his
0: texts. I did not know that. Yeah, he goes. Um, I hate Mike the goes, urologist. He goes,
1: Mike the urologist. Why I hate the toadies, Halford and Bruff. Because we read. Cause he, cause Mike the urologist takes his time and sends in smart what we learns and we read them. And you know what they. You know what you've got when you've when you when you're Mike the urologist. If you've got brand recognition from us that we can trust when we see a text from him and we know his phone number. Okay, this might be thoughtful. Right? Yeah. The rest of you need to brand your texts so that we know we got so many texts in. It's about brand recognition and trusting that it'll be... You know, there will be grammar it won't be a long rambling uh, uh, text that just gets increasingly more insane as it goes along. A lot of those. A lot of, you know, just weird ideas. So it's all about the brand. (laughs) Like Basketball Phil.
0: He's got a good brand. Basketball
1: Phil has got a good brand and he texts in what we learned. It's second interview with Mike McDonald today. This That's time a
0: football text from a basketball guy, but this, I get it.
1: This time he is flying into Seattle for it. I think he doesn't leave without a contract and the
0: head coaching job. I know you haven't sunk your teeth deeply into this, but as a Seahawks fan, uh just like early gut reactions or thoughts or initial reactions. I'm I for me, uh I like this actually. I wanted Vrabel, but mm. the more that I heard about what the Seahawks were looking for and what Vrabel was looking for. It just didn't seem like it would be a good fit. I still do think Vrabel- a, I do want a younger coach. Um,
1: how old is Mike McDonald? Because I don't want a, one of those coaches that's like thirty-one or something like that. I want True. a young. He's
0: thirty-six. Oh, oh, is that yeah. too
1: young? No, that's that's fine. That's fine. He. He's I think Michael McDonald's seventy years old, isn't he? <laughs> the, co- <laughs> the, the, Wal- the, the Canadian, <laughs> yeah. the
0: Canadian comedian. Yeah, he was really funny. Uh, he was really funny. Yeah, uh, Mike McDonald is 36, so he went from the University of Georgia to Baltimore. He spent a long time in Baltimore. Uh, Then he went to Michigan, so he's worked with both Harbaugh's, and then he went back to Baltimore. So uh, there's something there, anyway. Anyway, we'll wait and see. The music means we gotta go, so maybe by tomorrow we'll be talking about the new head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. For now, though, we gotta go. It's been a really fun show. Thank you to Merrick and to Frege and to Marie-Philippe Poulain for coming on the program. Be sure to download all of the podcasts. Basketball Ben is working feverishly on them now. And thanks again for listening. For now, though, we got to go. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been Basketball Ben. He's been Laddie. This has been the Alford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.